Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Praying with Priests. This is Father Michael Dank from the Prodigal Father, and I'm here with Father Jim Sitchko. Father Jim, thank you so much for your time. Gosh, it's an honor to be here. I know it that is. you're traveling all over the world, so yeah. this is pretty <laughs> pretty providential, maybe, that I get yes. to be with you right yeah, now. That's great. Um, as we do this interview, what I love to ask priests about is really their journey of prayer. Mm-hmm. And what I like to start off with is your first memory. What's the first thing you ever remember about prayer? It would be probably around our table uh, with my parents and my family praying. Um, that's my first memory mm-hmm. of being with them. Uh, because we always prayed before meals, but we also prayed the rosary as after the meal. Oh, really? Yes, at the table together. Wow. Yeah, so that was uh, not a option, Mm -hmm. uh, and it was something that I grew up with. Everybody did. Everyone did. What was I'm your, the youngest of five. Of five, okay. Yes. I'm the I'm middle of six. Okay. What was your What was the affect? What was that like for you? In that, what do you remember? What was it like for you? Was it boring? Was it peaceful? Well, was I, it... I think at at times, as you grow, mm-hmm. you know, in age, uh, you know, uh, when you're younger, it was it was something that was very exciting for me because I hope I get to do a mystery or say a prayer okay. or uh-huh. or be a part of that. Yeah. Um, as I grew older, sometimes I wondered, what is this all about? Is this worth it? And mm-hmm. I'm talking about being, you know, high school or younger. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, I've always been devoted to prayer because that's what was modeled in my home. Okay. I mean, that was modeled by my parents. Mm-hmm. There was no option to go whether you want to go to Mass or not. Right. You went to Mass right, with right, us. Right. and And it wasn't that you pick and choose which mass you want to go to. We go as a family, and that was just part of it, mm. uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. So um, so I, I always felt called towards priesthood. I always felt called towards prayer. Whether I was always faithful in prayer is another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that's where, you know, you you find the rhythm, you find the direction, you find the discoveries. Yeah. At least I feel. Right, right, right. You know. So mass together with your whole family. Mass together, family. the rosary together. Um, you know, um, uh, perpetual adoration. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents would uh, switch out once a week and they would take the 3 a.m. hour. Oh, wow. And so then that got ingrained you know, that you'd want to go to perpetual adoration. You would go with them at 3 Yes, yes, uh-huh. you know, as you got older. Yeah. You know, and that was something that was extremely special. You know, I've always found through my most difficult moments in my life that adoration is what, the grace from that moment is what always brings me through. Mm. You know, yeah, that... Yeah solitude that it's very interesting whenever i travel throughout the world even before i became a priest when i would go to college when i would find a church anywhere i would always look for the sanctuary lamp Mm -hmm. that is just something that kind of rooted me and centered me to know that jesus is present yeah yeah you know if our listeners don't know what a sanctuary lamp is it's it's usually a red candle sometimes white but it identifies where the blessed sacrament is in the church exactly and that's a great um, practice for anyone to do anytime you go into the church. Look for the sanctuary lamp. Yes. And I'll point you to the tabernacle. That's exactly and you right. Can pray before, right before right. our Lord. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, the canon states that 
that should be visible Mm-hmm. to the majority of the congregation. Yeah. yeah. And, and so just finding that always brings me solace and peace. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yes. Any other memories of prayer from, say, childhood? Oh, well, Go ahead. yeah. Well, one of the things is I went to a Catholic school. Mm-hmm. And I remember in third grade, um, we, third grade, we uh, became pen pals with, cloistered nuns in Lufkin, Texas. Okay. It's a monastery. There are cloistered nuns. There are about 30 Dominican nuns. And cloistered, as you know, they're mm-hmm. away from the community. They're set apart. They're 24-7 prayer. Yeah. And uh, we became pen pals, our class. And then we decided as a class to go and visit them. Oh, wow. And that was just amazing and i remember that mm-hmm. i remember it was storming raining and uh we went that that those times are when you would go in um cars you know your parents would drive you know mm-hmm. parents different parents would drive and the whole class would be in a caravan and i remember that and when we got to the monastery we were all so excited we wanted to see the nun who, who wrote yes and i still communicate with her wow. to this day and i celebrated uh my first mass there Did at you the really? monastery yes so she was a big part of your yes. vocation yes yeah yes so there have been you know i, I remember those things i remember uh in school, in grade school, uh, when we would have to recite the prayers and you'd get a gold star, mm-hmm. you know, I remember, I remember being a little boy and celebrating mass every day. Oh, really? In my house. And I couldn't have been thrilled more when Pringles came out because they broke like how the priest <laughs> broke uh-huh. the host at at uh, the Lamb of God, yeah. the fr- you know, and I-, I used to celebrate Mass. I'd have the vestments, I'd have the books, I'd have everything, and I would, uh, you know, I'd pretend as if I was the priest, and my animals, my dogs, would be the participants. <laughs> that yes, that was my congregation. <laughs> so you know, yeah. So then, as you transitioned, well, when did you go to seminary? So I went to seminary. Um, after college okay so i went i had a performing arts mm-hmm. i went did my undergraduate work at new england conservatory music oh, cool. in vocal performance and opera okay and did all that but always felt called to priesthood so talk about high school college you know oftentimes that's when people stray from their faith sure. stray from prayer what was your prayer life like during those times so high school was a good time but um i um I did a lot with my music. So mm-hmm. music was taking precedence. But I was still very faithful to church with mm-hmm. my family, still very faithful. But what was starting to happen was I was getting a lot of invitations to sing in Protestant churches. Mm-hmm. And my family was very weary of that, leery. Right, you know, right, in right. fact, my mother and father would make me get approval from the pastor in the parish you know (laughs) and he finally said look it's okay he could go do this you know and i became very intrigued um, a lot by 
um, some of the different ministers and the way they preached and sang and the way their their hospitality and just the various different things that it didn't get me so much questioning my faith, but it sure did begin to kind of shape and open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, in college, I really found a group of uh, college students that liked to live their faith. And I remember we would go to mass every weekend. That's so great. Um, but I was also part of an uh, what they call inner varsity. So it was um, a campus crusade type of thing for Christ, mm. where in one aspect, I think they were trying to convert people uh, to their form of, you know, being saved, as so to speak. But I was very much rooted in my faith. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm already saved, Mm -hmm. you know, but they had no animosity towards me and, and they would ask me questions and I would ask them questions. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know of a time where I actually ever strayed from my faith, but there were times when, um, there were questions, Mm -hmm. you know, that led me to deeper. I mean, even in high school, uh, I would be taking um, Ignatian retreats. Oh, yeah. You know, um, and same in college. You know, I would go and spend weekends at a seminary. Wow. Okay. So, you know, there was that. Yeah, it was there and evident. Um, it seemed like too communal, too. You were always surrounded either by your family or other people. Yes, yes. But I'm also, though people will find this hard to believe, I'm I'm very much an introvert. Really? Yeah. You know, I I do I I do preach in front of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. Um uh but I'm very much for I I enjoy at times solitude. Yeah. So you were familiar with some of the Ignatian retreats yes. in high school and college oh, yes. and Yes. And was there a moment in in prayer or discernment where you you were you knew it was time for the priesthood? I always wanted to be a priest. Okay. Whether or not um it 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 wasn't so much about whether or not I was going to be a priest. It ended up being where was God calling me to mm. be a priest. Okay. Okay. So my journey was not an easy one. So I started out to be uh, in seminary after college uh, for a diocese in Southeast Texas, in Beaumont, Texas. Is that where you're from? I am. Okay. And um, I studied for four and a half years at that for that diocese. Mm-hmm. The bishop was an extremely pastoral man. His name was Bishop Bernard Ganter. He was the founding bishop of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and then became bishop of Beaumont, Texas. He was originally from the Diocese of Galveston, Houston. Okay. And just extremely pastoral. I mean, write you notes, call you, that type of thing. And he was a model of priesthood for me, a model of priesthood. I had been, uh, every year in seminary, there are evaluations. And so I was evaluated and given the green light to grow, to go for orders. And Bishop Gainer, uh, Ganter, sorry, Bishop Ganter came down with an inoperable brain tumor. Mm. He was diagnosed with that in August. He died in October. And I also knew, however, 
that those who were within the circle of powerful priests of right. that diocese, um, some of them did not think I that fit the mold. Mm. And uh, as soon as Bishop Gant, uh, Ganter died, uh, two months later, I was dismissed Jeez. from the diocese. Um, no scandal. Right, right, right. No, uh, the, the seminary knew nothing. Mm -hmm. My spiritual director knew nothing. I was literally called in and said they did not need me. And it was the most... That's devastating. Not only, I mean, more than devastating. Going from a, such a pastoral loving. Going to your dream mm -hmm. of already having what, where you're going to be and what you're going to do. And what's interesting is people who may be listening to um, the podcast may say, oh, well, you know, I'm sure there's something. No, no. You know, if, if you were looking at today, we're not looking at it at the lens from today. We're looking at a lens from it over 30 years ago. Mm. Uh, I've been ordained a priest 22 years. Okay. So it was about 28 years ago that this happened. It happens more than people think. And I know a lot of times back then, too, it could just be a personality thing. That's you know, exactly what it was. Like the personality, you're done. That's exactly yeah. what it was. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what it was. It was a personality mm -hmm. thing. And, um, and I'll say to you that it is the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm. Because, number one, if I would have been ordained in that diocese, I would never be doing what I'm doing today. Yeah. Number two... One of the places where I preach every year is that diocese. Mm -hmm. I've been invited many times to preach there. Uh, and number three, um, it, it just wasn't in God's plan. And I think that's something that we always have to remember. And I think that we sometimes have a very difficult time realizing that God can answer prayer and sometimes his answer is no. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. People always think that, or I hear that people think that when they pray to God, they're praying for what they want, not necessarily what they need, mm -hmm. you see. And God offers us what we need, and that may not necessarily be what we want. You see, in my mind, I wanted to be a priest there. Yeah. Actually, to be honest with you, I just wanted to be a priest. Mm-hmm. You know, and then after I was dismissed, I was just in shock. And, you know, people were writing, seminary was, you know, what's going on. Right. And then um, I took about six months off. And I began to really pray before the Blessed Sacrament. I began to discern really where would be somewhere I would be called to serve. Mm. Who would take me because you feel like an outcast. Yeah. Um, and I remember one day in adoration, um, I was going through the Catholic directory, which is your podcast people wouldn't it may not know it's a directory of big all it's a big old yes. book red book 
with all of every Catholic institution that, every and every diocese. diocese. And it has the motto of every bishop oh. of that diocese. Okay. And I, when I opened it up, I opened it up to a motto, which was um, Micah. Walk humbly with God, love tenderly, you know. And I looked and I was like, wow, that's an interesting motto for a bishop. You know, to walk humbly with yeah, God, yeah. to love tenderly, tenderly, you know. And so I just wrote that bishop. Really? I did. And I wrote him and I said, I laid it right out on the table. I said, here are my evaluations. Here is what happened to me. And what I'd like is I'd like to come and work in your diocese free of charge and let you see me mm -hmm. and let you get to know me. And they said, come on. And I did for a year. And at the end of the year, they picked me up as a, a priest. And for 22 years, I've been a priest for that diocese. Wow. God provides. Mm -hmm. It didn't mean that there wasn't pain. It, there wasn't struggle. There wasn't moments of asking why God. But there also had to be moments of me being quiet and listening and to God. That's right. And, and listening for the answer and trusting. You know, trust it. Did you hear him? Oh, sure. I know when God speaks to me. Tell. Oh, um, you know, God, God speaks to me through the great depths and recesses of my heart. It's a feeling that I cannot explain, but I know that whenever that feeling comes to me, I'm to act. Okay. So if any of your podcast members Google my name, mm -hmm. they will see random acts of kindnesses yes. that I do. Some are very far-fetched. Some kind of, you know, catch people <laughs> by surprise or confusion. Some are, they're not geared just to Catholics. They're geared to wherever the Lord leads mm -hmm. me to do that. And um, always, you know, powerful miracles come from it. I mean, literally. Yeah. So it, it, it's a, it's a, you know, the only way though, we're able to discern that of the Lord speaking to us is that we have to trust God in that. And the way that I have learned to do that is by spending time with God in prayer, by forming a relationship with God. So that's the R in trust, mm -hmm. T-R, okay. by having an understanding of how God operates. God understands how I operate because he created me. But I also have to understand how God operates. And the way I have to do that is I have to read scripture. Mm. I have to recognize that if my Bible is in good shape, I'm not, you know? So I have to have that time. I have to form that relationship. I have to have that understanding. And then I've got to do something that I find is really difficult for us in the United States. And that is surrender. I've got to let go and let God. Yeah. So how do you do that? Yeah. You do that by recognizing you're not in charge mm -hmm. or that I'm not in charge and that I've got to put into practice all that I've heard about and learned about and that I've really got to keep focus. 
Because if I don't keep focused on the cross, if I don't keep focused on Jesus, then I'm going to sink. You know, so time, relationship, understanding, surrendering. And then the final T is just try. That's all that God asks of any of us, I believe, is just to try, just to make the effort. Just like tonight, you know, after the mission, I made the effort, you know, to come and to visit with you as a brother priest. That That's part of it. You've got to make the effort. In, in every miracle story, in every encounter with Jesus, you know, all he asks is that we come halfway, not even the whole way, mm-hmm. you know? So I always love taking that story of Peter walking on the water. Well, how did he do that? Well, he did it because he spent time with Jesus and he knew what Jesus can do. Mm-hmm. I think we all know what Jesus can do. Jesus mm-hmm. can do some very powerful things, okay? And then from that, Peter and Jesus had a relationship. And from that relationship, they understood one another. Peter saw Jesus do some amazing things. And Jesus saw Peter do some really stupid things. Mm -hmm. But they understood that. And then Peter had to do something. He had to get out of the boat and he had to surrender his will to God's will. And there's always someone that says, oh, yeah, 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 but he he sank. Yeah, but he tried. Mm -hmm. And the last time I checked... Uh, I'm not walking on water, mm-hmm. but he did. And he had an experience that I will never have at this time as of yet. Mm-hmm. You know, so. So you were you were ordained in your diocese? I was. And then they said, we don't need you. After no, you. no, oh, no. Sorry. I wasn't ordained yet. Okay. Yeah, I was right before ordination. Okay. And oh, we so did. that bishop that yes. sponsored you. Right. Okay. That bishop had sponsored me, mm-hmm. meaning this bishop in, in Texas. Yes. And then he died. Right. And then because there was no bishop, Mm -hmm. I don't even, well, because as a seminarian, you don't have any canonical rights. Right. So it was perfect for them to let me go because there was no bishop. Mm -hmm. See, there was no new ordinary. And I doubt any new ordinary was going to let a seminarian go right up front. Yeah. 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 So (laughs) they they got me out before ordination. Mm -hmm. And then... I went to Lexington, where I have been ordained ever since. Okay. And you got ordained there. I did. But the first Mass was back at... But I came back for my first Mass, yeah, Yeah, yeah. to be with the Dominicans. So, as you prayed through that, um, now you're a priest. Yes. People want to know, what's it like to be a priest (laughs) and pray? Or think about your early years as a priest. I'm sure sure it's different. Maybe it's not. No, you're you're very... You're you're right. You're spot on. Mm -hmm. Because the way... I'm... I'm not the same priest that I was 22 years ago. Mm-hmm. So a lot has changed for, for the better. Okay. So, you know, um, being newly ordained on top of prayer, on top of the office, on top of, you know, everything, following everything, you know, by the book and mm-hmm. making sure everything is in order. And then, um, you know, one of the hardest things for me, um, just because I was somewhat of an outsider uh, in that diocese, was, you know, being as faithful as I could to the priest gatherings. Yeah. Those were very difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was it was a bunch of men that I, I really didn't know. But um, so I've learned over time 
how important those gatherings are, mm-hmm. even if I don't want to be there. Yeah. But you make the effort, mm-hmm. you know. And what's interesting is now that I've come to understand that, very rarely am I able to make, to make any because I'm gone. Yeah. So something that I do is twice a year at the Chrism Mass, I host a luncheon immediately after the Chrism Mass for all my brother priests. Mm-hmm. And um, in November, I host a dinner at a restaurant for all my brother priests. And I mean, the majority of them come, you know, so so it just shows the transition that now I'm a more seasoned priest and I see the value and the need of that fraternity of that fraternity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, the other thing is, is that you can't get too busy for prayer. And so. Where I used to, you know, do my office, um, you know, in the chapel or in the church or in my home. Now, a lot of times it's being in the airport, in the airplane, Mm -hmm. on the airplane, Mm -hmm. that type of thing. Because that's where my life is right now. Mm -hmm. And it's also, um, I use it as a a tool of evangelization. People will see, people will look, people will ask. Yeah, for sure. You know. Um, and, and, and so I always, always have always had a great devotion to, um, the adoration and the blessed sacrament. Yeah, me too. So as soon as sitting in quiet and being present, uh, is important for Mm me. So I try to teach people meditative and contemplative prayer, and that's often the part that they struggle with. Yes. Sitting in quiet. Yeah. It is hard for me, especially as a social media guru that I am, <laughs> uh-huh. and this little phone here, and uh, constantly getting messages in places. You know, the thing that I've started learning is the phone doesn't go with me. Nice. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, the phone doesn't come in the confessional. The phone doesn't come in the sacristy. You know what I mean? Yeah, Those type of things. The phone, uh, I've started leaving the phone in the car when I go out to dinner. Mm -hmm. You know, but you have to be very mindful of that. You have to be very strict on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there are lots of distractions. Mm -hmm. and, And that's just something you have to be... Much so when you were newly ordained and you're, you were kind of doing all the the prayer structures, everything right. that, you know we do as priests, where did you find yourself most fulfilled in that, or most um, you know to be a new priest? And yeah, uh, always the Eucharist. That yeah. was that that was very powerful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, always celebrating Mass mm-hmm. was and is uh, very much a joy. Um, hearing confessions, yeah. You know, um, marrying and baptize, being a witness at weddings and baptizing and funerals. You know, those were all things I'll take. it. You know, I, I remember um, early on in the diocese, whenever they would put up, uh, we need help here or there. I mean, constant. I mean, I would be hopping from place to uh-huh. place to place. And, you know, finally, someone had to say, you know, you need to say no. Yeah, you need to say no. You need to slow down. Yep. You know, and if this is slowed down what I'm doing now, you know, but but that's just part of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and tell us what your prayer life is like now. I mean, so you're traveling, you're going all over the place. You're you'll be in Australia next week. Yeah. You're in Cleveland right now. Yeah. You pray on the airplane. Do I you, do. Do you, do you still get some time of that? solitary prayer before the blessed sacrament um when i when i go to the different churches 
Mm-hmm. I very much try to, especially if they have a uh, 24-hour adoration. Yeah. You know, or, but I do. I, I find that is an essential part of, of ministry. Just like um, I just got back from India where I was for 11 days. Mm-hmm. Every day. There were 6,000 people at the retreat where I was speaking for 11 days. Wow. They had adoration for hours and it was amazing to watch people of all ages just be mesmerized Mm -hmm. by the blessed sacrament and and so you know i've always learned that that is a a powerful tool it's at times much more difficult in in the traveling that i do because i find myself i get very tired you know i mean Uh, they're long days, mm-hmm. but that's when you really need it the most, mm-hmm. you know. And people say, well, well, Father, what about when I start nodding off or this? I, I think that's the greatest. In one aspect, it shows that you are totally relaxed. I see that too, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you're totally his. You just know? like a child, just well, yeah. to be there. And... Yeah, well, so why do we get so upset with it? You know, just, just be present. Yeah, yeah. You know, so... I like to talk about um, prayer as being personal relationships. So when you think about God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, how do you how do you pray to how do you pray to the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit? Well, you know, whenever I'm to preach, which um, is something strong for me, mm-hmm. it, um, I'm always praying to the Holy Spirit. Mm. I mean, when before I proclaim the gospel, if there's not a deacon, I am. I mean, I just invoke the Holy Spirit constantly. I'm like, people see me and they'll see that I put my hands on the gospel book. Okay. Before I uh, process over to the ambo, and my hands will be there, and while the Alleluia is being sung, mm-hmm. and I will just be in deep prayer to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, speak through me. Come, Holy Spirit, open their ears, open their mind, open my heart, open my voice, open my tongue. You know, let me, you know, and I just go into this very deep prayer, mm. you know, and then I let it go. Mm-hmm. And when you pray to the Holy Spirit, you you really have to be open because, you know, when I'm preaching, if something comes into my mind, I do it. I say it. Mm-hmm. I say it. And that's where that trust factor comes in. Yeah. You know, um, j- uh, my prayer to, to Jesus, you know, is, is through the Eucharist. Uh-huh. That, that has always been a very powerful, powerful moment for me. So, you know, I, I'm always equating Jesus through the Eucharist, through um, that, that whole aspect of, of brokenness mm-hmm. at times. Mm-hmm how at times we have to be broken down to be built up, mm-hmm. you know, that everything I do, I have to remind myself, it's not about me, it's about Christ, you know. And that's why at oftentimes when I use music in my uh, speaking, 
Um, I always tell the pianist to continue afterwards playing and then fade out, mainly because I don't want people to applaud and oh, think good, yeah. that it's mm -hmm. a performance. It's more prayer, and I want the focus on Christ, mm -hmm. you know. And then with, with God our Father, you know, it's more for me um, the most om omnipotent of all, you know, the, the creator, the one who gave name, the one who is in essence, you know, um, God our Father, God the Father who is in charge, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think one of the things and I mean this in a very real way, but one of the things I think we've lost a lot in our lives and in our world and in our nation is a sense of fear of the Lord. Mm. And that's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't mean to be fearful of God. It means that we're called to respect God. Mm -hmm. So I have that understanding that God is in control and God is the ultimate authority and it's not what jimmy sitchko wants right and i can see in your face that that there's a joy and a relief yes about that as yes. opposed to some people will take that as a negative yeah no you know? no for me it's like <laughs> you know but i think also something that i haven't mentioned which is very true is that there has to be spiritual guidance. There has to be mm. key people in your life who are willing to bounce, you're willing to bounce things off of, mm -hmm. you know, or experiences or things like that. That's all very important. Those are important things. You, you know, I, I always say that God teaches us through our daily experience. Yes. Mm -hmm. And and that, that doesn't mean all happy experiences. That's mm -hmm. why I always believe that prayer, everything we do as Catholics, as Christians, has to be balanced. You have to be balanced in it, okay? And so whenever we do anything, especially in our prayer, our prayer has to be balanced, you know? Our devotions have to be balanced. Mm -hmm. and, and that's just a very key point uh, that that's important within my life. Yeah, yeah, and other people do help us. Yes, keep on track with they that. They do, you know. They spiritual do. Spiritual director or a good friend. That's what a, I'm saying. Spiritual mm -hmm. director, good friend, brother priest. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, religious sisters. There are people there. Um, families. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I I go. Uh, my travel schedule is that I'm always in Lexington. The majority on Thursday afternoons and Fridays. Oh, really? And yes, and then I leave oh, Saturday awesome. through Thursday. Yeah. Okay, so I'm away Saturday morning through Thursday, okay. and then I arrive Thursday afternoon. Mm -hmm. This week's a little different because I'm leaving for Australia. Yeah. So, um, but Friday evenings, I always eat with this family. They're very close friends of mine, and they subscribe to the model of their entire family eats together every mm -hmm. night. And I have eaten at their house for 22 years on wow. Friday. And I make it, I make my travel and my plans around that. In fact, my parish knew to never invite me out on Fridays. 
because uh, that's that where it. that's that was that's important so beautiful for me. to have a family like that. That's right, because yeah. they also hold me accountable and responsible. Mm-hmm. Where you been? Mm-hmm. You know, why haven't you been here the last? Like a normal family. That's right. right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I, what I'm trying to say is, I think we all need that, and that's that's sometimes the role of a spiritual director. Mm-hmm. That's sometimes the role of the shepherd, the bishop, or you know, a brother priest. Yeah. Say, hey, you know, like for instance, I have a great, great calling towards our retired priests. Okay. So I take them out once a month. I call them, you know, and uh, at times they're grumpy. At times they're frustrated. Usually when I'm in town, I'll celebrate mass with them at their house. But, you know, it's that whole accountability. So they'll call me, you know, we haven't heard from you. Uh Where have you been? You know, so... That's important in our in our lives. We need to ask ourselves the question: Are we make time for everything else? Are we making time for prayer? Yeah, yeah. You know, are we taking time out? Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, we have to be mindful of that. And when people are thinking of that, you know, am I taking the time? They often want to know how much time, you know, or what do I do? Do you have any practical tips for somebody? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that I've said is be creative Mm. in your time. Mm -hmm. So let's say I have a 20-minute commute. That's a good time to put on a rosary. There are are CDs. There are stations. You can find things to pray the rosary. Yeah. Okay? Or maybe this would be a good time to just be silent. Mm -hmm. The radio off attentive to your driving, but quiet. Yeah, yeah. You know? For some people, um, it's beautiful for a husband and wife to pray together early in the morning before all of the children and all of the house and work starts getting, you know? So I've known couples that have gotten up just about 20 minutes early. Mm. To pray together. To pray together. And 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 so... What I try to do is I, I, I really believe that we can at least get in 60 minutes. And that's why I call that my, my talk, 60 oh, Minutes okay. for Jesus. Yeah, that's great. That we can find 60 minutes, even if it's put in 15-minute segments four mm-hmm. times a day. Put in that hour. Give back that hour to, to Jesus. That's you a know. beautiful um, challenge. Because when I look at prayer, I look at it as just such a wonderful yes. opportunity to be with right. God, you know. Right. And so sometimes people may be daunted by that, but but you know, if you do enter into it or do kind of enter into the discipline, right, you're going to discover. That's right. But at the same aspect, it's with anything. It's a give and a take. Mm-hmm. It 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 demands. Uh, um, it, it challenges us to be faithful to it. You have to be faithful to it, you know, and you have to get into a routine. Yeah. That's, you know, that was the interesting thing about seminary. Okay. So you have morning prayer, Mm -hmm. you have mass, you have evening prayer and you have night prayer. Okay. You're in that routine, but then you come into a parish. There's there's no routine. Mm Mm-hmm. You're you're so busy and there are so many things happening that, you know, you have to create your routine. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, then you're going to be swamped. 
And if you don't, then you're, you're going to drown, mm -hmm. you know? So, so you really have to develop a routine for you yeah. and it has to be flexible. Yeah. I think that's important for people to know too. I like the give and the take, Yes, you know, that, um, just with any other thing that you do with somebody you love. You know, you do the best you can. Sometimes right. it's not always the best. Sometimes that's you, correct. Yeah, that's correct. And and sometimes you you falter. But mm -hmm. I think I think here's here's the interesting thing is 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 that you know just as I find it important to communicate to people, my family, friends, relatives, it's important to communicate to God. You know, you have to have that communication. But that communication just can't be speaking. Mm -hmm. There has to be that powerful moment of listening. I mean, gosh, how, what, what relationship would survive if all we do is talk? You see, I've always said people have no trouble talking to God. Exactly, yeah. But people sure do have trouble listening. To well, when I ask people about their prayer life, they will say, I talk to God all the time. Yes. And I say, have you ever heard him? Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Know? What would you say to somebody that hasn't heard God or struggles with hearing God? Well, I, I would say that, uh, never get discouraged. Okay. I cannot believe that there is anyone who has not mm -hmm. heard God, mm -hmm. but I can believe that there are people who maybe do not recognize the voice of God. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I'm oh, saying? Yeah, so yeah. in other words, I believe that God makes himself known to us all of the time. In fact, I was preaching about that tonight, that God speaks to us all the time. But the point is, do we have the heart to receive it? Do we have the ears to hear it? Do we have the eyes to see it? And it's not usually in ways in which we think. You know, God can come to us in some very difficult and tragic ways. And he's there with us. And sometimes we just got to step back. You know, sometimes it takes the wind out of us. Mm -hmm. And you have to step back and you really have to ask the question, where is God in this? And what's interesting is, you know, I always ask God this question. It's, it's one question, but I ask it five different, you know, why are you telling me this? Okay, so I ask God, why are you telling me this? And then I go, why are you telling me this? Mm -hmm. Why are you telling me why this? Are you? Yeah. yeah. Why are you telling me this? Why are you telling me this? And why are you telling me this? You see? And they all can come up with different answers that really challenge us to, to live. Mm -hmm. you know, a good and holy life. Give an, give an example of what the, this is. When, when's the last time you had God tell you? This? <laughs> <laughs> you know, today. Mm -hmm. Okay. So today I was, uh, I had pulled up uh, to the BP station and um, I felt, you know, so a truck pulled up next to me and I felt a need to, to uh, buy the guy's gas. Uh -huh. I'm like, what is this about? You know, what is this? You know, I'm like, I don't know this person. I'm just passing through. 
you know, so I went over and he was like, that's my pump. And I'm like, okay, okay, I know that. And he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm buying your gas. He's like, who are you? I'm like, it doesn't matter. You know, I just felt called to do this. And what was interesting is he turned to me and I said, my name is Father Jim. I'm a, I'm a priest and I'm going to be speaking in, in a church down the road. And he said, well, gosh, he goes, I haven't been to church for a oh, while. Wow. Yeah. You know, why are you doing this to me? Well, there was a reason. Mm. Think about if I had not followed through with that. Or had not taken the time. The prompting. Yeah. 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 You know, so there are, there are just little things, but you have to reflect upon it. You have to pray upon it. You have to trust. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to, you know, I, I always say to people, I go, how many people were in that boat? How many people were in that boat when Peter got out to walk on the water? There had to be at least 11. Peter got out, he walked on the water, they recognized that it was Jesus, and yet 11 people didn't, didn't do nothing. They just stayed in the boat. Yeah. That's troubling to me. And, I mean, if I was in the boat, I would have jumped mm -hmm. down, pushed Peter down, and run to Jesus. I think the question is, is how many of us are boat potatoes. How many of us like the comfort of the boat? And prayer, really, if we're really going to be faithful to prayer, prayer calls us out of the boat. Mm. Prayer calls us, you know, to step out of our comfort. It's not always comfortable to be praying at five in the morning before a flight. It's not, but it's not about me. You know, when, when I do the office, I join with the whole church. You know, when, when I pray my rosary, I pray with others all throughout the world. Mm. You know, um, so there's more to it than just me. You know, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so oh. much. Um, what I would just ask uh, as we close is just uh, any final words of advice that you have for people or last things that you would say to, oh. to someone about prayer. Yeah, I, I just, you have to try. That's you have good, to try, yeah. you know, and, and it's, and you have to be willing to experiment and, and see. And you have to be willing to recognize that just as we grow, our lives grow spiritually and they change and they mold and so don't be afraid to try new avenues don't be afraid to realize that maybe possibly you're moving from one form of prayer to another you know and i think finally i would i would challenge people to be faithful mm. to be faithful and and that means to be dedicated and that means that you're going to have to sacrifice you know um, and, and maybe find some prayer partners, find some people that will help you. Yeah. You know, and, and make sure though you find some solid people, mm -hmm. you know, just don't run to the internet, you know, but really seek out just like you would do a doctor or, or someone, you know, 
um, and, and, and just be faithful. Yeah, Teresa of Avila would say, seek a wise spiritual person. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, thank you oh, so thank much. You. Can thank we you. have your final sure. blessing, and would you bless all of our listeners? Definitely. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May God's blessings be upon you all, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. And you. <laughs>